Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. souls to the devil if one thought that one's experience might be extended it would be extended to infinity there's someone there dracula is back to choose his human victims alice who are you how do you know my name dracula is back to select his companions in darkness who must die that he may live. If you shock easily, stay away. She's neither dead nor alive. Lucy! Lucy! The marks on her neck! She's a vampire! Prepare yourself. Every nerve, every muscle. Oh no. Prepare yourself for the greatest shock of all. Welcome to another exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Ro Lauren. And tonight on Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, on the Dorkening Network, by the way, you we are going to be covering the film Taste the Blood of Dracula, which is a lot of fun and most rid- mm-hmm. one of the most ridiculous films probably in the uh, pantheon of the Dracula mythos for Christopher Lee. Um, it, it, it's just filled with so much hypocrisy. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but we'll get right into that now with a, uh, hey, this is interesting. So looking up the INDB for this movie, right mm-hmm. below it, if you tap, if you type in Taste the Blood of Dracula, right below it, something pops up that says a taste of new blood, new directions for Hammer's Dracula documentary and i'm like what is this 
Ooh. Um, it's 45 minutes long. It's a 45-minute behind-the-scenes documentary about the making of Hammer's Taste the Blood of Dracula, featuring an all-new interviews with film historians and with some of the people who made Taste the Blood. It came out in 2018. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's only 45 minutes long. It sounds like it should be a bonus material. It's only ever been released in Germany. Wow. Yeah. Joe Dante is on it. Uh, he's a director of, um, he's a director of, of, uh, Gremlins, <laughs> um, as well as Gremlins 2, uh, Looney Tunes back in action, you know, and several other film works that he's done. And, uh, John Carson, who, uh, would show up in Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter, a movie that we will eventually get to. Um, but, uh, because John Carson's in Taste the Blood of Dracula. But that's interesting. It's too bad it's only available in Germany. It's got a nice uh, case to it, too. It's got a beautiful, like, artsy kind of cover to it. You have to check it out on IMDb, Ro. Yeah, uh, I would that I would love to because this film is so different and interesting than a lot of the other ones we've watched so far that I, I wish it was in English because I'd be really interested to know, like, how, like, the making of this one. Right, definitely. Roe now has the plot synopsis for us for Taste the Blood of Dracula. I do. So Taste the Blood of Dracula is a direct sequel to our last film, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. Released on May 7, 1970, directed by Peter Saidzi. Our film begins with a horse-drawn carriage riding through the woods when a peddler, Ray Kinnear, trying to sell his wares, is thrown out of the carriage and finds Dracula's remains. William Hargood, Jeffrey Keane, Sam Paxton, Peter Sackis, and Jonathan Secker, John Carson, are leaving church with their families. Once at home, Hargood berates his daughter for acting like a harlot for talking to a young man. Mr. Hargood reminds his wife that he does charity work on Sundays and leaves to meet the other two men at an orphanage, which has a back area that is also a brothel. While there, the men engage in wild activities. At the brothel, they meet Lord Courtly, Ralph Bates. Courtly offers the men a better way to find pleasure, selling your soul to the devil. He takes them to Weller's, the peddler from the first scene, where he sells them the items he collected from the remains of Dracula, including a vial of the powdered blood from the ashes. The men decide to buy the items and head to the abandoned church. The ceremony begins when the men are told to drink the ashy blood mixed with Courtley's, but they refuse. Courtley drinks the concoction instead, causing him to become sick. The men beat him to death when he calls out for help. They leave the church and Courtley turns to ash and Dracula, Christopher Lee, has returned. Dracula wants revenge for the death of his servant, and he intends to get it through the children of the three men, starting with Hargood. His daughter Alice, Linda Hayden, is seeing Paul Paxton, Anthony uh, Corlon, but Hargood wants to end his Hargood wants to end this relationship. Alice sneaks out to attend a party with Paul. She confesses when she is caught later, but Hargood raises a whip to beat her. Alice escapes to the garden and runs into Dracula, who uses his hypnosis to influence her into bludgeoning her father to death. Alice then lures Lucy Paxton, Ilsa Blair, to Dracula, who drinks her blood and sets her to work for him against her father. Worried about the death of Hargood and the disappearances of both Alice and Lucy, 
Paxton and Secker go to the old church to see if Courtley's body is still there, only to find Lucy in a coffin. Paxton is in denial that she's a vampire and shoots Secker when he attempts to stake her. Secker returns home, but Paxton passes out and regains consciousness as the sun goes down. Lucy then stakes Paxton with Alice's help and drinks Jeremy Secker's blood, Martin Jarvis, turning him into a vampire. He then finds Secker in his office, passed out from a gunshot wound. When Secker awakens, Jeremy is there, but his father realizes he's already a vampire. But it's too late, and Jeremy stabs him. Lucy is impressed with her master Dracula's powers to keep her by his side, but he is done with her and uses all drains her of all her blood, killing her. He intends to do the same to Alice, but the rising sun forces him to retreat to his coffin. Secker had written a note to Paul before he died, telling him what he must do to save Alice. Paul heads to the abandoned church with candles and crucifixes and finds Lucy's body on the way. He arrives at the church and sets up an altar. Paul tells Alice to choose between good and evil. Alice chooses evil and grabs the crucifix from Paul's hand. Dracula attacks him and Alice begs to go with Dracula, but he tells her he has no more need for her. The crucifix placed or the crucifix The crucifix Paul placed on the door keeps Dracula from leaving, causing him to break a stained glass window when the room is suddenly filled with church music, prayers, and candles. Alice and Paul watch together as Dracula falls into the altar and turns to dust. So this is the uh, part of the Paul trilogy of Dracula movies where our Paul is a protagonist. Uh, he's kind of ridiculous yes. and fun, of course. Ro, why don't you start with the uh, the notes for the beginning of the uh, movie? I really liked the beginning of this one because it opens with the horse-drawn carriage going through the woods and uh, reminded me a lot of the older movies from the 60s. Um, <laughs> and like the the Carlberg horses like the horseless carriage I think they they mentioned that in the beginning like uh, the peddler talks about um, have you ever heard of the the horseless carriages <laughs> then you know Dracula's just impaled on crucifix which is pretty cool and then of course this uh this this character who was not in the last movie happens along and finds Dracula's stuff and is just like ooh what can I fetch this on eBay in about a hundred and something years when eBay is invented? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, um, well, cool, mine now. I'm gonna yeah, sell it. Why? Why would he keep that stuff? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know. It's never. I mean, it's never really explained why he keeps this stuff. He knows it's connected to Dracula. He well, knows exactly. The, the danger of being connected to Dracula. Right, it's like he knows he clearly is superstitious and seems to understand that vampires are a thing in this universe, but then chooses to keep his blood and his rings anyway. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. So, what do you think of the three gentlemen and their uh, the, these three guys who are just looking for a good time? They're bored at home. They're bored with their wives. They're clearly bored with uh, anyone related to them because the the way they act is like. Uh, we're, we're looking for the next quick fix. Oh, yeah. I mean, he they're clearly so unhappy with their day-to-day -day lives and so bored. I mean, who calls their daughter a harlot for smiling at a man? It's ridiculous. 
calling a woman a harlot back in the day when they were, you know, being promiscuous. I'm not saying this is right, people. So don't take my <laughs> what I'm saying as like, oh, what are you trying to say? I'm, what I'm saying is, is that uh, for what she's doing, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. In terms of the script yeah. itself or whatever, I, I don't know. I just don't like it. I'm not saying any woman should be called a name whatsoever, but that just yeah. doesn't seem right for smiling. Oh, yeah. But yeah. compared to everything that a woman was called back in the day, uh, that doesn't... Yeah, that no, it's not right. It's not okay. <laughs> I think they were just going out of their way to set up that this guy is like a miserable sack of shit and that he really... Can only looks forward to his Sunday nights with the boys, hanging out at the brothels, paying for the extra VIP room with the crazy hookers. The crazy <laughs> hookers. Uh, okay, so who are these actors that we have in this movie? And, uh, you know, what are some of the other things they've done? Let's see. Uh, we've got Jeffrey Keen, who we briefly talked about. We've got Gwen Watford. And Jeffrey Keen... Uh, is known for James Bond. Oh, what was it? What James Bond movie was he in? <laughs> Let's see. He was in six James Bond films between wow. 77 and 87. Who so did he play? after these, um, he was the role of the minister of defense, Frederick Gray. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was a prominent character. And I think the Roger Moore movies, but I might be wrong. Okay. Cause he was in the spy who loved me. Uh, that was Moonraker. Roger, yep, that was right. Yep. Those are Roger yeah. Moore movies. For your eyes only, my one of my personal favorites, Octopussy. Why do you like? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we can all agree we like a little Octopussy. But uh, yes. but of course, you know who plays Octopussy in that movie? Maude Adams is absolutely stunning. Uh, but why yes. is it? Uh, why is For Your Eyes Only your favorite Bond movie? Oh no, uh, Octopussy. I just enjoy the title. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Actually, I don't. I, I can't decide on my favorite Bond movie. <laughs> um, I want to say it's of the new films. I think okay, my favorite Bond uh, actor is Roger Moore, but oh. I um, I like Daniel Craig's Bond because he's more like the book Bond. He's like a cold, heartless asshole. <laughs> right, definitely. Um, I liked uh, the movie Skyfall. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, Paul. When Paul is introduced, he. He's got a pretty pretty much good job. He's got a good girlfriend who he smiles at. Um, gets her into <laughs> trouble. But uh, what do you think of Paul's introduction? With by the way, his uh, pants hiked up past his uh, belly button because. Um, I thought Paul was is very interesting. He's pretty atypical for the uh, the heroes of these films when a lot of them are like God fearing or at least believe in. I don't know, the power or something of, of God being present. And he's like, nah, fuck that, man. <laughs> it's unbelievable the hypocrisy with these guys. Oh, yeah. So they're not getting uh, there's, their... Oh, go ahead. I would say they're just such old white men. <laughs> yeah, this movie definitely has a lot of just uh, shitty-ass white men in it. Let's just uh, admit that. Yeah. Um, just, what is the, uh, who, who, who do we, what do we, what do we, what do we, um, but the, but the hookers that are in the club, they're all pretty much kind of no name actors, but we have, uh, they, um, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're a mixed race of, uh, of, uh, prostitutes. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I liked, uh, the, 
one who I think shows a nipple for like a split second and has like that really cool thong on. They have like a, she looks black. She might not be. I, she's only shown for a couple, like a couple seconds, but, and then they got the girl with the blue hair. Like super awesome. Oh, I love the girl with the blue hair. What's, what is that actress's name? Do we have her on IMDb? Uh, is she the snake girl? I think, I think she, she is, is. The snake girl. I think she is the snake girl. Yeah, I think it's Malika Martin. She has Malika nothing. Ma- I love that name. <laughs> yeah, she is literally only credited for this movie as Snake Girl um, and nothing else. On IMDb, we have uh, June Palmer, and she's the redhead, uh, looks slightly Asian maybe, um, and she has the uh, the red corset on, and she is <laughs> stunning. That's my favorite of the uh, prostitutes that come to entertain the boys. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I wonder just... how many of these actresses were the, the ones that have very few IMDb credits. I wonder how many of them were possibly um, porn stars because, um, as, uh, you know, as you know, in Game of Thrones, they use a lot of uh, porn stars for sex workers um, and women who are going to be sexually assaulted or violated because they're used to the type of activity that involves being um, consensual, non-consensual uh, sex acts. Yeah, I wonder too. I, mostly I wonder because I'm not sure how IMDb's credits go as far as that is concerned. Well, we find uh, a lot of times in these movies that we don't seem to have a lot of credits for some uh, characters, particularly women mostly, do not oh, have yeah. more than just this film. And it makes me wonder, oh, maybe I should have looked their name up to find out if they've done anything else in uh, Hollywood, particularly in adult films. Because like the movie Maniac is filled with women that are... Um, prostitutes uh, i'm sorry yeah. uh, um I'm, I'm i'm i apologize uh porn stars yeah uh, and from what i can tell from the women in this one uh so there's the snake girl who's nothing else supposedly there's the girl in the red corset and uh she she has 11 credits so she might actually have done some stuff other uh, uh, other other film other uh, hammer films does not look like it see here's sex through the ages not tonight darling i would guess that maybe those are the nine ages of nakedness so Mm. i'm gonna guess that those are just uh some fun 70s um (laughs) oh my god that's awesome sex through the ages 1974 a comic look at the history of prostitution what do you think of uh the fact that we have a lucy back this time Lucy, of course, is a character from the actual novel Dracula. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing about this one was they sometimes felt like they were trying to do uh, some homages to the original story. But then none of the characters truly lined up. But I always enjoy like the little um, the little like hints here and there. I was OK with it, <laughs> even though she doesn't have that awesome white dress no definitely not um and uh it definitely it, it she she definitely doesn't uh um come across like the uh the lucy like in the uh the novel because lucy between mina and lucy lucy was the more promiscuous one uh she w- the actress who played lucy was in several things including the avengers tv series and indiana jones and the last crusade oh really yeah love last crusade probably my Me favorite too. of the indiana jones movie Oh yeah, Lisa Blair. Oh yeah, I had to remember her name. (laughs) 
that's fine. Um, what uh, what do we have? What do we have next after they uh, leave the club? They meet the uh, the guy with all the uh, Dracula stuff, the uh, the eBay auction items, and he's basically like, "Hey, let's uh, let's take this stuff and hang out with this young guy who's like, you know, basically they're all in their fifties, and this young guy is basically like, "Hey, worship Satan, and it's cool, and I'll show you a new kind of high." And he, they're uh, like, "Sure." Right? I love that. That whole interaction when they're bored. So these men who have to go to these extremes to feel any sort of interest or pleasure anymore are fi- are finally bored with their crazy um, like prostitutes and sex workers. And it's just not working for them anymore. And um, they get introduced to Lord Courtly, who's like, hey, I see that you're bored. You know, I know a perfect way to fix that. Have you thought about selling your soul to the devil? And they're all like, yeah, I guess. Why not? Let's just do it. Do you know how? And Courtley's like, oh, fuck yeah, I can do this. I got this. (laughs) Courtley is uh, played by... um, Let me bring it up. Because I... Lord Courtley is played by Ralph Ralph Bates. Bates. Uh, whose name definitely str- sounds like it, it, it should be familiar to me. I know. I feel the same way. Uh, Ralph, Ralph Bates, unfortunately, died in 1991, and he was born in 1940, so he's no longer with us. Um, I'm always reminded of 1991 in, in many ways because uh, John Belair is a uh, famous child's author who I really enjoyed reading growing up, uh, also passed away uh, in 1991. Oh. <laughs> and it was also 1991 that I went to go live with my father. Oh wow, he's been. A, it looks like he's been quite a number of things. Not really anything I'm particularly familiar with, other than the horror of Frankenstein, which we have not seen yet. We saw the Curse of Frankenstein. Horror of Frankenstein actually recently came out on Blu-ray from Scream Factory. It's. I think it's considered to be one of the worst of the Frankenstein movies. I'm not a hundred percent certain. But when we get to oh, it, no. we'll have to talk about the uh, Scream Factory release of it. So after uh, Courtly basically does the spell to summon Dracula back to life, uh, they kill him for no apparent reason other than the fact that he's, like, dying. Yeah, so I had my notes on this one were like, these guys were all gung-ho about summoning the devil. And Courtly's like, okay, guys, time to go big or go home. And... Uh, He's like, you gotta drink the blood. You gotta do it. That's how it works. And they all pussed out because they're giant fucking pussies about actually doing anything. This is why they're bored with their lives because in reality, they're just a bunch of uh, talk and no game. And so Courtney's like, well, fine. I'll do it. And drinking the ashes of Dracula's blood plus an I mean, this is an entire goblet. Yeah. So it, it, it is a lot of blood. Drinking all of this shit um, causes him to have like some kind of weird seizure and like he We're starts drinking the writing. blood of a dead vampire. I would hope that the <laughs> the, the least amount of uh, suffering you would have to endure is um, th- a, a seizure, right? And he starts like writhing on the floor and crying out for help because he's dying, and the dudes were like. Oh no, uh uh-uh. uh. And instead of just leaving, they beat him to death for asking for help. I don't understand. It, I just don't get it. Dracula returns and he's basically like, hey, my uh, my servant's dead. What the fuck, dudes? It kind of reminds me of The Mummy. Do you remember in Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, The Mummy is Resurrected? 
And he <laughs> hunts down everybody that was involved with his little resurrection. Oh, yeah, that's true. And the other thing, too, it's interesting that Dracula gives a shit that much about uh, his little servant dying to be for him to be resurrected. Because I, in my opinion, I feel like that's kind of the point of the servant i think it would have been cool if they had uh i wonder if um uh stephen summers is that who made the the uh the dracula the uh the mummy movie if he had was a big fan of this and that's where he took his inspiration to do what he did for the mummy in that filmy uh movie emotep yeah that would be oh yeah that'd be really interesting um i mean quentin tarantino is a big fan of the hammer movies and several other obviously directors too Mm-hmm. Um, this is also the first of the Dracula movies. We get boobs too in the uh, whorehouse. Yeah, like a whole nipple. I was so pleased. <laughs> Alice becomes Dracula's new uh, servant, and she brings Lucy to Dracula because he wants her no matter what. Yeah, I love how his whole plan now is like, well, I'm back. I'm kind of like, don't really have a plan, but I will definitely fuck up these people's lives. And he does it in such a. T- such a i mean credit to dracula he doesn't such like an insidious way like he's gonna fuck up their lives and kill them using their own children loose uh i'm sorry not lucy alice is played by linda hayden and she was in the blood on satan's claws which i cannot believe i'm gonna say this but yes i have seen that movie uh (laughs) just for the title alone and she was mandy in something called cuffy i i don't know what that is the the Hmm. i a weird, bizarro thing. But uh, Taste the Blood of Dracula was one of the first movies that she'd ever done, and according to IMDb, she is still alive today. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I, the Did you like the Blood on Satan's Claw? Because I'm seeing a screenshot of that, and she looks awesome. Uh, I don't remember. I just remember being one of those USA movies that was on uh, at a time that I shouldn't oh, have been yeah. watching a movie like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally get that. <laughs> I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything in our notes. Um, women are just drawn to Dracula. And of course, uh, there is... So this also, this whole like piecing Dracula stuff together kind of reminds me of Castlevania. Do you remember Castlevania II, Simon's oh, Quest? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. It definitely does. Also, this is one of the few movies that Christopher Lee actually enjoyed the lines enough to want to read them. That is a shocker because 99% of them, he will not do it. Oh, he is very anti-lines guy. Uh, yeah, he actually, he does have a lot more, he does have a lot more speaking parts in this one than in previous ones. I think the last movie, he definitely had lines too, because there was the lines against the, um, remember the, uh, the, the bar maiden who was mouthing off to him? Oh, yeah. And that's is that the one he, he threw in the furnace? Yes, that's right. He turned her into a vampire and then threw her in a furnace. And it was like... What the fuck, dude? Why did why did you even bother? It doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. There was another... Oh, yeah. Another thing I had, too, for these was, like, they were scared to... The men were scared to go all the way with <laughs> with this ritual. It's just funny totally. the way you say it. <laughs> I'm afraid to go all the way. Oh, <laughs> But they were totally okay with just, like, killing a dude in cold blood and then walking away. Because when they walked away, he was pretty much dead to them. So they, ah, we got away with murder pretty good. Right. And the guy who um, who is mainly responsible for, uh, he I don't want to say he's our main character, but the one who's the father, uh, sorry, the uncle, Lucy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one or who's dad. like, Paul is like, you're an atheist? Yeah, uh, it's her dad, yeah. Yeah. He, he, it's just, uh, his life just slowly is just falling apart. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Because his wife is upset. And then when his daughter starts acting up, even before she gets hypnotized by Dracula, she's not listening to him. Because they have that very disturbing scene. She leaves to go to that party with Paul. And she comes back and gets caught coming home late. And he goes to whip her. And it's weirdly sexual and also just extremely inappropriate on a number of levels. <laughs> uh, Lucy and Alice kill Dad at the behest of Dracula. Yeah, they bludgeon him to death with, I think, a shovel? Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> Dracula counts off the people who killed his servant. And uh, it's also weird that Lucy isn't already a vampire, too, by the way. Yeah. It's... She's just under his thrall. She just revealed her cleavage, and she, he bit her, but maybe that's just to entrance her? Uh, yeah, because I don't think she ever actually turned, because she's got the little... Does she, she has, like, the crucifix on. Yes, I believe so. Um, Paul, do you think Paul has to find religion in order to stop Dracula? Like, that's the message they're trying to say, believe in Christ and you can stop Dracula? I wanted it to not be the message. I mean... Think about, Maybe. think about the movies that would be influenced by the Hammer films, such as Fright Night, and of course, uh, Chris Randon's uh, vampire character, um, Jeremy Dandridge, he tells uh, Peter Vincent, you have to have faith in order for this to work on me, Mr. Vincent. Oh, right. And then, of course, Charlie does have faith. And this also reminds me of um, something I have probably brought up on this podcast before. I'm almost pretty positive I have, that... Uh, Wolverine trying to stop Dracula in the famous X-Men number 159 where they try to rescue Storm from Dracula's clutches makes the cross with his claws and Dracula easily defeats him and uh, Nightcrawler who looks like a blue furry demon does have belief in the Lord and Dracula is is aghast and surprised that a blue furry demon such as Nightcrawler would have any faith in a Lord that would make him a hideous looking creature and uh, <laughs> Nightcrawler's stance on that is that God loves all of his creatures no matter their appearance and I like that because that also signifies that God would love you even if you are gay or lesbian black or any type of minority that is oppressed by religion in any way if there was more of that tolerance with religion i would have a stronger belief in christianity and god yeah that's not to get I preachy mean, on people but yeah i mean that that's written by chris claremont and he is basically saying that no matter what your appearance is no matter who you are god loves all his children and that's why nightcrawler again who looks like a blue demon has such faith and devotion in the lord yeah and i, mean, I think it also ties into just a lot of what the X-Men kind of says with its themes a lot of the time, because it's about, you know, being ostracized. It's about being treated uh, like a minority. It's about, like, oppressiveness and hate and overcoming those things. So, I mean, I think in terms of writing, it's interesting and successful to have a character with that point of view. And I mean, to the point of this movie, too, even though Paul never really comes out and says whether he has changed his mind, I don't think he does. I think if I, there's like a line, I think, towards the end. I just don't think he does. But you can't deny that within the universe of the film, it is the symbols of the church that defeat Dracula, ultimately. It's the crucifix, it's um, the church lights, it's the hymns in Latin, it's not like Paul's brute strength or science. So regardless of what Paul thinks, it is un it's just not what the movie is saying. <laughs> 
I also, uh, of course, you know, one of the most famous movies involving an, an evil supernatural being to being defeated by religion, of course, is The Exorcist, where the power of Christ does compel her. Uh, I adore the way that movie handles it because the main character in that movie, he's losing his faith through the whole film. He is struggling to find his faith the whole time. Oh, you're talking about and, the, the young priest. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. Because his mother fucking... is dying, and and he, yeah. he's been a devoted good priest to the cloth and God, and it's taking his and and God is taking his mother, who doesn't seem to have ever done anything wrong, away from him, and it's hurting this little girl who's only twelve years old, and that would shake anyone's faith, no matter what it is, to its core, um, and I, by any by any faith, I mean like any religious faith. Oh yeah. So yeah. So I I think they I think do this movie really... definitely has the most heavy amount of religious aspects to it, out of all mm -hmm. of the Hammer films that we've seen. I am I wrong? Do you think so? Uh, I no. I it's interesting because most of the time, while the characters themselves will say like, "Oh yeah, God this, God that," then it's just like, "Oh okay, we'll stop them. We'll stop him with X, Y, and Z." This one, I mean, he's defeated in a church. It's the it's the light of, I guess, if you want to say, it's the light of God that defeats him. It's the it's the words of God that defeat him. So, I mean, I will say it's heavily, the tones of religion are really heavily influenced in this one. I love this movie for the fact that it has, it has, uh, it has sex. It has gothic <laughs> graveyards. It has spooky castles. It has rundown churches. It has human sacrifice. It has Satan worshiping. It has cleavage. It has blood. It has vampires. Taste the blood of Dracula. Definitely should be on everyone's list for everything you want in a Dracula film. Oh, absolutely. This is one of my favorite ones that we've watched so far. Like it, it does so many things, and it's. It, I think it's. It's, it's really exciting and different from <laughs> from the previous ones. I loved all the blood. And oh man. The uh, director of this movie is Peter Sassidy, who, according to IMDb, is still alive today. But the last thing he worked on was back in 1993. He worked on something in 1992 called um, Witchcraft as a TV miniseries, which is interesting. This is something I would love to watch to see how their portrayal of witchcraft was in the early 90s versus, like, let's say, a more open-minded view of it in 2020. Yeah. Well, now I'm just thinking about the craft <laughs> oh, so right. The the oh, yeah. The craft in 1995 was extremely open-minded. In fact, a lot of witches herald that as like the closest Hollywood will ever get to real witchcraft. Why? Because will because as many witches I have spoken to have said, real witchcraft for Hollywood is boring. You cannot <laughs> make a real witch TV series or a movie that is compelling and action-packed. Because real witchcraft is not what Hollywood wants. Yeah, real no, witchcraft real... is not boring, but to Hollywood and television, it is not something you can just turn into a sitcom or a drama series. You have to give witches supernatural powers and to fight beings from other dimensions, worlds, and hell. It's yeah. just, there's no way around it. You know what I mean? 
Oh, uh, yeah. This witchcraft series he worked on was a drama series about a crew making a film about witchcraft, and the director gets carried away and endangers the life of the cast. I actually kind of <laughs> want to watch this. I would track this down. I got to see if my roommate has it, because he owns every goddamn thing on the freaking planet. <laughs> so uh, everything else that he's worked on, he's also worked on uh, Hammer House of Horror which was a TV series, which uh, he did three episodes of. And we might cover that on the Dead TV podcast and might have to have Ro on for with us for every episode. Woohoo! <laughs> um, he also was the director of Countess Dracula and Hands of the Ripper, two other Hammer movies that we will get to. Countess Dracula is part of the Carmilla trilogy. Um and we'll get to more about that when we do. But that's also a movie that I highly recommend anyone checking out. It follows the vampire lovers and Twins of Evil, which are also part of that little uh, lesbian vampire trilogy of films. I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Paul goes to rescue his girlfriend. And we start hearing this loud screechy noise coming from the church. But we can't, I, I don't, I'm not able to identify what that is. Is it just supposed to be like the echoes of ghosts or something? I guess. Or just the the idea that i don't know dracula's presence has overtaken the church by the way uh i wanted to figure out who ilsa blair plays she plays uh donovan's wife in uh the last crusade she's only seen in that one scene where she opens the door and says you're ignoring your guest dear uh, that is so funny that's her one thing that she has in that whole movie is she tells donovan that she he's ignoring He's ignoring his guest as he is trying to get Indiana Jones to go on the quest to find the uh, the, the Holy Grail. And, uh, of course, Donovan is a Nazi. He's the bad guy of the movie. I love the, the the villains of each one of the Indiana Jones movies. You have the villain who's just the straight-up straight opposite of Indiana Jones who's working with the Nazis. You have the uh, the sacrificer of human beings and, and who puts sl- children in slave slavery. And then the third one, you have the uh, the villain who's uh, using subterfuge and, and uh, misdirection in order to throw Indy off. Yeah. It's such a good movie. Oh, all of them are. I will oh. also say that there are parts of temp- uh, Temple of the Crystal... Uh, what is it called? Um crystal yeah the crystal skull yeah the crystal skull movie there are parts of that movie that work i'm not saying it is a good movie but the fact that harrison ford plays indiana jones is what works it's been a long time since i've seen that movie but i remember hating it yeah but uh it's okay most people do yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, so they defeat dracula dracula is defeated by the power of christ pretty much yeah yeah (laughs) and paul's girlfriend snaps out of it you know She's going to probably go in therapy for the rest of her life. It's like, well, and that was the other thing about the end of this movie. I was like, okay, good job, but all of your friends and family are dead. Every single one of them. Not a single person made it out alive except those two, and maybe her mom. I think her mom lived. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not really as important of a character. Who played her mom in this movie? Actually. So Alice Martha Hargood, played by Gwen Watford, because Jeffrey Keane played William. Um, and she was in Cleopatra back in 1963, which was one of the biggest movies of all time. And one of I the biggest disasters of a movie of all time. The, the, the filming, the story behind the filming of it is, is a nightmare. Wow. Yeah. Um, Cleopatra starring, um, who played Cleopatra in that? Elizabeth, T- Elizabeth Taylor, right? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she's in that. She's been in stuff, TV shows, a lot of TV shows. Uh, she passed away in 1994 at the age of 66. Oh, wow. That's young. Mm. And that's it. They, I mean, all of these movies very much end. They just end. You know what I mean? And she's like, okay, and it's done. Yeah, it's over. That's it. Goodbye. Go fo- go home, folks. I really <laughs> want to find a copy of this uh, Taste the Blood of Dracula, but the problem is, I guarantee I'm probably going to have to hopefully find it on maybe YouTube, uh, because I guarantee a German copy is not going to play in my American um, player. Oh, yeah. I think I have, would probably have the same problem. And I might have to watch it with subtitles, too, because the title of the movie is Why... W-I-E, I do not speak German, so you'll have to excuse me. We Schmuck Dose Blut Von. And it was directed by Dima Ballen. I wonder why of all the Dracula movies they decided to make this one. Oh, cool. Uh, that's all the notes I have for here for Taste the Blood of Dracula. This was a fun movie in the pantheon of Dracula films. Uh, thank you, Ro, for once again joining me for this amazing podcast that we have. Yeah, that's all the notes I had, too. And I agree, this movie was very fun. The blood in this movie happens to go to uh, the resurrection of Dracula. Christopher Lee uh, does not get the uh, badass award. I give it to Paul because he has to put up with a lot of shit and then put it together in order to save his girlfriend. And then the boobs oh, in this movie go to all of the prostitutes at the whorehouse. <laughs> yeah. Everyone had pretty low-cut tops on this movie, but I definitely give that one prostitute with her titties totally out. She, she definitely wins the boobs. Yeah. If you'd like to send us an email, you can, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. You can also uh, send us a tweet at ChrisDSAV or... Or you can find me at Roloren, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. And that's on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find the rest of our amazing uh, podcast shows on uh, the Dorkening Network. And you can also find us uh, on the RadioHorror.com website as Ro and I did an episode of Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash podcast, which I host. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys.